You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 731 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Friday evening. And the Atlanta Hawks went up to Washington, D.C. this evening with a winnable game on paper. I will say that definitely felt a little bit less so after Trey Young was ruled out. We'll talk more about that in a second. But um, had a nice comeback bid that ended just a little bit short in this game. A career high for Cam Reddish as the headliner of the evening. And uh, not too bad of a, of a performance, all things considered, um, especially when you factor in injuries and all that stuff. But we will start at the top on this podcast. Probably a little bit shorter than usual because it's just a, it's basically just a gamer podcast because I did the extra show yesterday, rounding up the latest news. So not, not a ton else to get to. But I do want to say go, ahead, go back and listen to that podcast if you'd like to catch up. Most of it is still relevant, even after the game tonight. Um, at the outset, though... Obviously, Trey Young's status was the topic of the day in Hawksland. He was listed as questionable with flu-like symptoms midday on Friday, then doubtful at the 5 o'clock update, and then uh, totally off um, in terms of just being out for the game before tip-off. Um, just as a reminder here, I know Trey was listed as flu- as having flu-like symptoms last week for a couple of games, but he was not on the injury report at all on Monday. People were talking about how he said the flu for so long. Um, also, you know, it doesn't need it. Flu-like symptoms is just kind of what teams use. I don't know what he has or what's going on with Trey, but it's not a situation where he's actually been sick for this entire time. He was off the injury report on Monday, and uh, kind of funny, Trey leaned into the bit a little bit by sending a tweet saying uh, he was not as sick as people thought he might be, uh, but Lloyd Pierce said he was just kind of back at the hotel resting and trying to get ready for tomorrow, potentially. Um, also, Lloyd Pierce told Sarah Spencer of AJC that there was no respiratory issue with Trey Young, so hopefully just a little bit of about of something that he was battling off, and we'll see if he plays on Saturday. But with Trey out of the lineup, the Hawks were a little bit shorthanded. They they did get Dwayne Dedman back in this game, which obviously helps a little bit. They did uh, have Cam Reddish back as well after, after one game absence on Monday. Um, DeAndre Bebry got close to playing. It felt like he was probable at one point on, uh, on Friday, but ended up not playing uh, in this contest. Still, because of the Trey injury, uh, or abs- I guess illness absence. The Hawks were down um, their key piece, of course, their num- number one centerpiece on offense. And as a result of that, the Hawks were three-point underdogs originally coming out um, of uh, Thursday into Friday morning. And then by tip-off, it was all, with- all the way up to five and a half. So that kind of tells you what, you know, Trey obviously means to the point spread, et cetera, et cetera. But the Hawks still battled the entire way, and that was a good value effort from them. At the top here, um, I would say defense optional for the most part in the first quarter of this game on both sides. Bradley Beal was hot, made his first, made his first three shots from deep. Uh, Wizards were basically scalding hot from three-point range in the early going. The Hawks did hang around because they had no turnovers in the first several minutes of this game. That was a nice thing for the Hawks to build on, um, you, would, you would think. John Collins did have a huge dunk in the first few minutes, but actually had two fouls in the first five minutes or so and actually was forced to the bench as a result of that. I don't love the auto bench there, but Collins uh, was in foul trouble for most of the game here, and that kind of limited limited him a little bit until the fourth quarter anyway. Um, We'll come back to that momentarily. Lineup-wise, the Hawks had some pretty interesting looks in this game because they had 11 guys available, but Damian Jones did not play at all, so they only had 10 guys that actually saw the court. And it's kind of a mismatch in terms of who was available 
in this game. They actually went um, first off. They went to Cam Reddish and Bruno Fernando sliding down to the four when John Collins came out of the game. From there, they went to Travion Graham, and then they actually used on two different occasions in this game a no point guard lineup for the first time in a long, long time. Kevin Herter and Cam Reddish playing together in the backcourt to go ahead and do that. It actually worked a little bit. I wouldn't say it was incredibly effective, but it was certainly not like terrible either. Um, just something to circle and come back to for a future um, reference. Cam Reddish had the one hot stretch in the first quarter. He actually made four jump shots in a row in about a minute and a half span um, for 10 points there. The Hawks gave it all back, unfortunately, with four straight buckets allowed to Washington, but still um, Cam got hot, and that was sort of a microcosm of what was to come when in this game when he was obviously you know on fire throughout as a jump shooter. Um, but honestly, the Hawks were pretty bad defensively in that first quarter, especially down the stretch. There was a completely missed box out on Troy Brown for an easy buck at the end of the first quarter, and that was kind of what I was uh, taken away with, even with the hot shooting. The Hawks actually shot the ball very, very well. Had six threes in the first quarter, but uh, ended up actually only up by one point because of the lack of defense that they were actually able to play. And then when the, when the offense predictably slowed down in the second quarter, the defense did get a little bit better, but nothing, nothing terribly good. Um... Collins sat for almost 10 minutes of clock time when he had those two fouls. He actually came back um, in the second quarter and played pretty well, but got his third late in the period, and that actually ended up being a pretty uh, pivotal moment. There was an outstretch from Jeff T that I wanted to point out. Jeff had six points in about a minute and a half, two minutes in the second quarter, uh, attacking the rim sort of at will against Jerome Robinson. And then Collins got actually got the um, Hawks up by four points with four minutes to go in the first half with, a, with another dunk. That forced a timeout by the Wizards, and at that point, Washington's t- turnovers were really fueling the Hawks' offense. Washington had 10 turnovers that led to 17 points for the Hawks in that early you know, quarter and a half or so of play. But then from there, Bradley Beal got, got really loose for a few different possessions, especially when he was not guarded by Cam Reddish. This is one of those things where I don't make too much of this in a regular season game, but Reddish did a pretty good job on Beal. Obviously, he was not able to slow him down too, too much there, but he was notably the best defender the Hawks had against Beal. And whenever Reddish was off the court, Bill got even looser. In fact, Bradley Bill had 18 points on his first nine shooting possessions. So that basically is averaging two points per shot. That's not what you want, obviously, if you're the, if you're the defense. Um, and overall, it was a 13-2 run by the Wizards to end the first half. The Hawks scored two points in the final four minutes of the second quarter. That is pretty rough. And a lot of that came with John Collins on the bench because he actually got a pretty bad foul. That was a dumb one from John. Uh, you know, the, his first two were just kind of normal plays. His third one was kind of a loose ball, strange, unneeded play from Collins to get his third foul. He had to sit down from there. And the Hawks lost the last three minutes of, that, of the first half pretty handily. Um, Reddish was really good in this game, but he actually had two bad turnovers in a row, making dribbles, making moves off the dribble in that stretch, and the offense just kind of bogged down. Again, two minutes, two points in four minutes, That's it's pretty rough, and the Wizards were able to take advantage of that, take a lead into the halftime break, despite Atlanta's good shooting. In fact, the Hawks had um, 56% from the floor in the first half, which is very, very good. They had 11 turnovers, and uh, defensively just could not stop the Wizards. Um, from there, we'll get into the second half, of course, but uh, we'll take a quick break right now. We'll come right back with the second half and all the individual stuff from this game. All right, and we're back with the third quarter, and uh, in, in, what I would say is a continuation from the end of the first half. It was pretty rough. Honestly, the Hawks lost this game, if we're being candid, um, in about an eight-minute stretch at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. That whole stretch was why the Hawks lost this contest. In fact, the Hawks go from down seven at the break to down 11 within 40 seconds. They call timeout from there. They did make a wide-open three. I'm sorry, generate a wide-open three that, actually, that they actually missed um, coming out of that timeout. But other than that... Um, yeah, didn't score for two minutes. The Hawks got down by 13 points, and uh, overall a 15 to four run by the Wizards to open the second half. And combined with the end of the first half, it was a 28 to six spurt for the Wizards. So, 
Obviously, the Hawks losing has got my six points. That 22-point swing was everything. The Hawks went from up four to, up to down 18. And at that point, they had to claw and scratch all the way back. And to their credit, they did that in this game and actually got within uh, striking us at the end of the game. But that was why they lost this game was that was that seven, eight-minute stretch, I, I would say, before and after halftime. Um, after that, Reddish got going again, a couple, couple of jump shots in a row, um, kind of a weird situation in the third quarter. The Hawks fouled Davis Bertans twice on three-point attempts on the same possession, uh, which doesn't often happen. Bertans sold the calls on both of them. I think they were probably both correctly called, but still, uh, he definitely played into it a little bit. But the first one, he actually only made one of the free throws. He missed the first one, made the second one, missed the third one. They got the rebound and found Bertans again, who was fouled again on a three-point shot. Uh, this time he made all three, so it was a four-point possession from Berdant to go back to go um, from 15 up to 19 up for the Hawks. That was a pretty big swing, but to their credit, the Hawks did stabilize a little bit and went down only 18. I say only because it was actually kind of manageable in the end, but down 18 at the end of the third quarter um, after free throws by, by the Wizards in the final possession. Still, defensively, it was pretty shaky, and the offense, you know, I noted this, and it kind of became funny that I did, was that the Hawks only scored 18 points in the third quarter, only 41 points in a two-quarter span against the worst defense in the league in Washington. is pretty rough. And some of that could be tied to, you know, just missed shots and all that stuff. But um, I wanted to point this out, and a credit to Tyler Jones, front of the program, who pointed this out as well. Um, John Collins only had seven field goal attempts through three quarters. That's pretty unacceptable, and I'm not necessarily play, uh, putting that on John either. I think people uh, took that to me uh, when I tweeted it out, say that it was John's fault. It's not really his fault. There are some times we could probably be more aggressive, but honestly, he's a play finisher more than anything, so it's kind of he's not fully reliant on other guys to get, get him the ball, but it's very, you know, when he's not attempting shots, I think it's pretty clear that some of that's guard play and some of that's perimeter play, not getting him the ball enough. And in the fourth quarter, it was pretty uh, evident why the Hawks needed to get him involved more often because he was awesome in the fourth quarter. Actually, he actually ended up, by the way, spoiler alert, he took more shots in the fourth quarter than he did the entire first three quarters. And uh, not great there. But the fourth quarter was all Hawks, honestly. Um, they actually outscored the Wizards 37-25. It was their best offensive quarter and the best defensive quarter in the entire game. And that just wasn't quite enough in the end, but still an 8-0 run at the outset um, to get back within 11 points with about 10 minutes to go. Six of the eight points there from John Collins, who was very good in that stretch. Um, from there, it hovered around 12 to 14 points for three, four, five minutes. It was hanging around that range for quite some time. And then there was a big swing with Reddish blocking Troy Brown's shot at the rim and then hitting a trail three on the same possession to cut the lead from 12 down to nine with 3.48 to go. Obviously, at, at 3.48 to go down nine, you're the underdog pretty considerably, but still you have a fighting chance now in a single-digit game. Out of a timeout there that the, that the Wizards called, the Hawks got a stop, and then Collins got a great seal near the rim. The ball was fed to him on time, which was, which was a nice change from the, a lot of the previous uh, parts of this game. And then he, dunk, he dunked the ball there to get back within seven. And by the way, they're running with Collins at center, which I probably would have done even more in this game. I might have started Collins at center. I'm pretty adamant at this point. Until Capella comes back and plays, that I'd be starting Collins at the five against basically any team that does not have an, an incredibly dominant offensive center, um, and the Wizards do not. So I would have probably gone with this more often, but I think to Lloyd's credit, they ended up closing with that lineup, and Devin only played 20 minutes, so that was probably okay in the uh, aggregate. Still, the Hawks managed to get it all the way down to five with 2.46 to go on a Collins layup. They did um, foul Bertans on the next trip to get back down by seven, but then Reddish, Reddish had another three. He had been scalding hot the entire time. 
um, hitting a three on the left side to get back within four. They traded from there back from four to six, from four to six to four to six, and then up to and then up to seven when they lost Davis Bertans on a three-point attempt. That was probably the biggest breakdown the entire fourth quarter defensively for Atlanta, just giving the best shooter on the floor a wide-open shot in the corner that he made to go up by seven. But on the other end of the floor, Reddish gets a three-point play to to basically erase it down four with 90 seconds to go. Still, though, when you're losing, you can't afford to trade buckets, and that was kind of what the Hawks did for most of that stretch. And then what I thought was probably the biggest possession, other than the other than losing Bertans, was that the Wizards got an offensive rebound twice on the same possession. Um, even after a stoppage, it was the same alternate possession. And it was really Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter that failed to secure the rebound on box out situations. Just two young guys not getting the rebound when they, when they had to do it. That was that was a big spot. They ended up with uh, fouling Rui Hachimura, who was actually pretty bad for the Wizards in this game. But he made both. And uh, after that, the Hawks are down by six points with, with less than a minute to go and in big trouble. They did um, from there after timeout. Reddish missed a deep missed, missed a deep three, his first miss in quite some time. And then uh, Washington calls timeout. They did force a shot clock violation there um, to give themselves a chance, but still that burned the entire shot clock. So 21 seconds to go, down six. The Hawks are in pretty big trouble there. They did get back to four again with Collins getting a layup, but um, down six in the final minutes. Hunter misses a very, very deep three, and that was kind of the end of the game on the way to the six-point loss. So all that play-by-play aside, the Hawks just did play very, very well in the fourth quarter. Defensively, it wasn't perfect, but it was much, much better. And offensively, they were really cooking in the fourth. In fact, the Hawks shot 15 of 24 from the floor with 10 assists and two turnovers in the fourth period. And 10 assists in a quarter is really stands out to you because it's very impressive, especially when you don't have Trey Young on the court to generate those assists. So very impressive stuff there from the Hawks offense down the stretch. Collins had 16 in the fourth period uh, on very efficient shooting which is what he normally does, but still a nice uh, explosion there from him. And Reddish had nine in the fourth quarter on his own. Um, as I said before, Collins took more shots in the fourth quarter than the, than the previous three quarters um, combined. So, yeah, not great there necessarily. That's, not again, not, not Collins' fault, but he was very good overall. And, again, this is a game where the Hawks basically nailed the spread. The spread was five and a half points. The Hawks lost by six. Um, without Trey Young, you can't expect, quote-unquote, the Hawks to win this game on the road. So uh, you can't be too, too disappointed in this. There was a couple stretches where it would have been better if they played better, but still nothing terribly uh, negative to say about the performance overall. Um, big picture stuff team-wise, there was a lot made of the free throw disparity in this game, uh, even on the post-game show and a couple other places. I understand why, because it looks kind of funny in the box score. The Wizards took 35 free throws according, um, when compared to only 12 for the Hawks. I will say, though, you know, sometimes that's a negative of a bad whistle. Maybe there was a little bit of that in this game, a little bit of home cooking for the Wizards, but... I would say probably more importantly here, the Wizards entered the night as the number seven team in the league in free throw rate. They are good at creating free throw attempts, and the Hawks are bad at fouling. Um, so that's two things that that I definitely want to just say right now. The Hawks are second second worst in the NBA at at fouling, putting putting opponents on the free throw line, and the Wizards are actually very good at creating free throw attempts. And then on the Hawks side, um, the Hawks are not. You know, they're not bad at creating free throws, but most of that is Trey Young. In fact, the Hawks take about 23 free throws a game this season, and Trey averages more than nine of those attempts. So, you know, 40%-ish of what the Hawks do at free throw line is Trey Young. And without him in this game, you can't expect them to, uh, you know, take a ton of free throws. So I do think that, you know, just looking at the priors, the way this game was sort of played, there wasn't a whole lot of the Hawks attacking the rim. You know, Collins got to the line, I think, 
you know, he's number two, by the way, on the team free throws this season. He got to the line five times. That felt about right. He was kind of the only guy, other than a couple of reddish times attacking the rim, that there was a lot, there wasn't a lot going to the rim in this game. You know, T got a couple layups. He got to the line once. Hunter got to the line four times. But um, the disparity is kind of explainable if you look at the numbers and just the way the game was played. And the Wizards were just more um, aggressive attacking the rim, which kind of explains some of that disparity. Um, other than that, though, Atlanta's offense was, you know, end of the game pretty pretty good, a 112 offensive rating. That is good under normal circumstances. I will say that's, that's not good compared to the Wizards' defense. Um, I know that Trey wasn't playing, so that kind of t- explains some of that and that he's the best offensive player by quite a large margin. But it's worth repeating again, the Wizards are by far the worst the worst defensive team in the league. They they allow 115 defensive rating for the season, so the Hawks didn't quite get to that number even if they played pretty good offense. You know, for the most part, it was that middle stretch in the third quarter um, that kind of let them down offensively. Um, the first and fourth quarters, they scored 71 points. So there were flashes. It was pretty decent overall, but not, nothing overwhelming aside from Reddish and Collins. Defensively, you know, it wasn't great either. Washington's offense is pretty good this season, and Bradley Beal is obviously quite good at basketball, and they have guys who can shoot it, et cetera, et cetera. But the Hawks, until the fourth quarter, I would say it was disappointing defensively. The fourth quarter was much better, um, and especially when, I mean, it's not a shot at Trey necessarily, but the Hawks do have their best defensive rating this season without Trey Young on the floor. He actually, you know, by the way, in contrast, they have easily their best offensive rating when he's playing, so they're still much better when he plays. But defensively, it's where you're supposed to get some mild gains without him on the court, and that, that just didn't happen. In this game, the Hawks did not get stops, and they ended up with a 118 defensive rating. That's pretty bad, all things considered, even with the fourth quarter bump that they were able to generate. Um, individually, we'll dive in a little bit, as we always do on the podcast. Um, a pretty interesting bench look. We'll say Reddish for the end of this uh, of this section. Only five guys on the bench, of course. Damian Jones with a DNP. Um, three guys had only two points, but everybody played 10 minutes or more that played. Goodwin, um, Brady Goodwin, 10, uh, 10 minutes, two points, three assists, and a rebound. I thought it was at least interesting that they kind of skipped him the first time through the rotation, going with the two with the non-point guard lineup. Then he actually played a little bit more after that. I thought he was okay, just nothing fantastic. Bruno Fernando struggled mightily, I thought, in his uh, in his minutes. A good reminder that while Devin was not incredible in this game, he is much better than Bruno Fernando at this point in time. And the Travion Graham defensively made some nice plays, uh, two points in 18 minutes, three rebounds and an assist. Vince Carter had it going offensively in this game. It was actually plus one, um, eight points in 17 minutes. It was three of four from the floor, two of three from three in his final visit to Washington. Good on Vince for playing pretty well in this game. And then finally, of course, Cam Reddish, who was lights out offensively. Now, uh... One thing I want to say, just to get out of the way here before I focus on all the positive stuff, he had a couple very much rookie moments in this game. In fact, um, you know, he made a ton of shots, and that's that's definitely what matters more in this game. But if you just watched um, kind of the way he played for most of the game and, just, and, and kind of ignored where the ball went in, it looked a lot like his more early season stuff. Um, there are a lot of turnovers. In fact, he had a, se- a season-slash-career high with seven turnovers, dribbling into traffic, a couple of uh, bad moments in that way. And a couple of just, you know, perplexing moments. It just so happened, and I think, obviously, to his credit, he shot the heck out of the ball in this game. And that actually helped to buoy, to buoy him on the way to a big-time night. 28 points in 29 minutes, 11 of 17 from the floor, 5 of 7 from 3. Got to the line and made his only free throw. Two assists, one one block, one steal. And as, as I said before, seven seven turnovers. But still, the shooting was just lights out. Honestly, he had the he had the one big stretch in the first in the first quarter. We he made four straight jumpers, and the another one later on when he I think he made three or four straight jumpers again. 
you know, six of 10 on twos is pretty good for Cam. Uh, it's much better than his normal rate, obviously. And five of seven from three, it speaks for itself. So he was awesome. He was the biggest reason or the second biggest reason, but depending on how you, how you want to talk about John Collins, those two guys were head and shoulders better, better than everybody else was offensively in this game. And uh, Cam deserves, deserves a, ton, a ton of credit for the way he played in this game. And uh, good to see him getting some national love. I know Zach Lowe wrote about him a little bit today. Uh, he was mentioned in a couple of other places in the last couple of days. So good to see people kind of coming around on Reddish nationally. He's been playing really well recently. And uh, I'll always be interested to see where like where rookies find their, you know, sort of balance level because he's been so hot recently. It's going to cool off at some, at some point to some degree, but he's just much, much better across the board than he was early in the season. And that's what you want to see for the Hawks. And I think you have to be pretty happy with his progress at this moment. Um, to the starters in this game, sort of a mixed bag. I would say, uh, for instance, Kevin Herter had a career high, 11 assists, and only one turnover. That's a very good number in itself. Um, kind of doing some more ball handling than normal in this game without Trey Young. His shooting line looks okay, 6-14 from the floor, only, only 2 of 8 from 3. That's not a terrible number, though, at 14 points. On the flip side, defensively, he had some ugly moments, I thought. He did a pretty decent job on a couple of occasions on Beal, but was generally overmatched in that matchup. And then just physicality rebounding-wise, only one rebound for Herter. He was not playing uh, terribly tough, so some highs and some lows there. I thought it was a pretty good game in some respects, also a perplexing one in some other respects, but the passing and the career-high assist doesn't matter, and uh, his gravity was definitely on display at times offensively. Jeff Teague, 9 points, 5 assists, and a steal in 28 minutes. I thought he was pretty okay. It was good to see him be a little bit more aggressive than he has been. Something I've been wanting to see from Teague is just kind of getting in his bag a little bit. And with Trey off the floor, he was a little bit more commanding in this game. Still not a ton of that, but got 5 assists, was was moving downhill a lot of the game. And uh, still only took one shot from 3-point range, but um, good to see him being a little bit more aggressive. Dwayne Dedman. 11 points, 6 rebounds, 4 steals, which is kind of a bizarre number for a center. Um, 20 minutes for for Dwayne. I thought, he, I thought he played okay. It's a bad matchup in some respects for a traditional center like he is. Um, but, you know, I thought he was okay in this game. He didn't do a whole lot wrong, didn't do a whole lot incredibly well. But, uh, again, his his uh, his performance baseline is just so much higher than Fernando and Jones that it does matter when he's around and available. DeAndre Hunter, 10 points, 9 rebounds. Uh, only John Collins and DeAndre Hunter had at least had sort of had more than 7 rebounds in this game. So that was a good, that was one good data point for DeAndre. But I thought offensively he was not very good. Four of eleven from the floor, one of five from three. So um not too bad on twos. Just didn't have it going from the from the free throw line either. It was one of four. And then physicality wise, couple couple uh, interesting moments. Um not a great, not a great passing game at all from Hunter as well. I noticed that he was uh ball stopping a little bit more than usual in this game. Again, not terrible, just not particularly good either. And then finally, Collins was awesome, especially in the fourth quarter. But even before that, other than the foul trouble, the fact that he actually had 26 and 10 and 29 minutes in this game speaks for itself. I wish he would have gotten the ball more in the first half, which is, again, not all his fault by any means, but had two block shots, a steal to go along with 26 and 10 was plus five in his minutes. And if uh, if he hadn't been if he had been in foul trouble in this game, you might you might have circled this as a potential win spot for Atlanta. And again, you know, it was basically a two-man show offensively for a lot of this night with Collins and Reddish combining 54 of the 112 for Atlanta. So, you know, credit to John. He's been playing at an all-star level for quite some time now, and that continued in this game. So all that said, a little bit shorter than usual on the podcast, I know, but um a game where a lot of it at least in the end, was kind of the way you expect. The Hawks are not supposed to win this game without Trey Young. They still battle back, and uh, they deserve some credit for that. Rush was great. Calls was great. Some up and down stuff otherwise, but we'll kind of just leave it there for now. Looking ahead a little bit to Saturday night's game in Memphis, a back-to-back. If Trey Young plays, he'll be fresh. He'll be the only guy, honestly, that's fresh because Memphis 
also has a back-to-back. They actually played uh, in Dallas this evening, and uh, at least at this moment as I'm recording, they're actually being throttled by the Mavs. They're, they're down by 26 points um, late in the fourth quarter. So I'm assuming that's going to be a loss for Memphis, but they have to travel back from Dallas. So actually, it might even be a longer flight. Maybe it's about the same, but regardless, both teams have to travel, and uh, we'll see how the Hawks are faring in that game. But with Trey on the floor, the... I would say the baseline is a little bit closer. Um, Memphis will be favored, I'm sure, at home, provided they have everybody available that is normally available. You know, John Morant obviously being the key guy there, and they're still shorthanded without Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark. But we'll circle that one, and I think the Hawks might have some revenge on their minds after the terrible performance on Monday that they did at home. So that'll be an interesting one. We'll have, we'll have a new podcast after that game. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. And uh, if nothing else, we'll be here after the game on Saturday. So stay tuned for all of that.